0: Our broadcast here. We've got Dr. Jerome Corsi joining us live. We also have IQR Rizzoli, and uh, I believe Dan Perkins may join us here in a few moments as well. <laughs> And uh, can you hear we're we can? yes, can I've got you, you my friend. I've got you. Okay, I've got you. We've got uh, we've got Dan Perkins, best-selling author, for, and also from thehill.com, as well as I.Q. Al-Rizzoli. Uh He is he is one of the 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 few folks on the planet who will uh, uh, tell us that Islam is a menace. And uh, we also have with us today Dr. Jerome Corsi, author of Good Night, Obama, a parody. He's also a WND senior staff writer, and uh, also we try to talk to Dr. Jerry Corsi each and every year at least once or twice. He's very busy, and I'm glad that he made some time for us today here on our broadcast. Tell us, uh, first of all, about Good Night, Obama, my friend. Tell us about this, Dr. Corsi. Dr. Corsi, can you hear me? Dr. Corsi. Dr. Corsi.
1: Live radio.
0: Yes, it's live radio. Dr. Corsi, can you hear me, my friend? We might have lost Dr. Jerome Corsi. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, we'll see if we can get him back in here. Um, um, Dan, uh, give us your yes, thoughts. Uh, give us your thoughts yesterday on this uh, situation that took place um, out there in, uh, in, in Britain with this, uh, with this truck um cnn uh is is basically saying that uh uh that they're refusing to say it was uh, it was islam and it was a uh, terrorist attack
1: right. right well first of all if you look at it from the standpoint of what happened it was very similar to the attack in nice and as a result we had a truck with uh a driver and we had a uh a situation where there was a passenger, yes. uh, and it was loaded, loaded with steel, steel, and, uh, and it went uh, through the barriers into a Christmas market, which I know something about, because just about a year ago, Jim, I was on a Viking River cruise down the Mine River visiting Christmas markets, and I did nine Christmas markets in seven days. And I know that they are absolutely a, a, a wonderful place to go, but they're also crowded with thousands and thousands of people, yes. and um, they're they're just very entertaining. But it, it, it fits the it fits the pattern. the The problem is that some of the German government is in denial of wanting to declare this a terrorist attack because they're afraid that they're going to alienate the Muslims in Germany. And that they're, and more importantly, Jim, that they're going to give fodder to the right, who would like to get rid of Angela and Merkel and begin to deal with the problem of the immigration problem in Germany.
0: IQ, what 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 do you make of uh, Dan's assessment? There
2: it is being very kind, really, to them. Um, <laughs> it's it's because, because Angela Merkel is a criminal, and those who died yesterday. Their blood is on her hand. Yes. And no matter what the German government will do to try to gloss over it, millions upon millions of Germans yesterday woke up and they will join the so-called right wing. By the way, these right wing institutions or political parties were created by the left wing because they have refused to treat their people with decency. They have refused to treat their people as intelligent human beings. All the time, nothing to do with Islam, when anybody with two brain cells of logic would know that it has everything to do with Islam. Back to you, sir. So IQ, let me ask you a quick question. Can I ask him a quick question, Jim?
0: Yes, jump in there. I think uh, uh, okay. uh, we're going to try to get Dr. Corsi back on with us. Uh, Dan, go okay. ahead and and, uh, and chat here sure. with, uh, with IQ.
1: I'm curious as to uh, your choice of words, IQ. Um, we're using the word um, radical right, or we're talking about uh, um, we're, we're, we're moving, we're trying to move people into a camp of, uh, of a radical departure. Yet it seems to me that uh, what's, Potentially really going on, IQ, is the rebirth, as it was in England and in the United States, a rebirth of nationalism.
2: Absolutely of right. your- Yes, I agree with you. Absolutely right. I'm not, I didn't say that they were radical. It is the left-wingers who are calling them radical. It is the left-wingers who call yes. people like you and me uh, Islamophobes, bigoted. Mm-hmm. They created yes. the situation... And now they have to pay for it with blood.
0: We've got right. uh, we've got Dr. Jerry Corsi back with us. Dr. Jerome Corsi is the author of Good Night, Obama. Uh, we've been talking here about the uh, situation yesterday with the uh, with, with with the uh, as CNN likes to call it the 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 truck uh, issue. They don't want to call it uh, Muslim terrorism. Uh, Dr. Dr. Corsi, what 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 do you think about all this? Well,
3: Obviously, it is Muslim you know terrorism and it, and be politically correct about it does solve the problem I, I would think CNN would have got the point with Donald Trump winning the election that the American people were really tired of this political correctness yes um, and I think the EU has the same problem I mean you've got um, Merkel heading Germany who does not seem to understand that the, the issue is radical Islamic terrorism, and bringing hundreds of thousands of uh, Muslims from the Middle East into Germany uh, without any vetting to determine if they're going to be radicalized or are radicalized, yeah. uh, only invites the kinds of terrorism and other problems Germany and the rest of the EU are having. And I think the American people don't want it here.
0: We've got Dr. Jerome Corsi with us today. We've also got Dan Perkins and IQ Arrizoli. And, um, uh, May
2: I say something? Yes, go IQ, go. Again and again and again. Polite people speak about radical Islam. There is no such thing as a radical Muslim. Why? Because you are a Muslim. And when somebody is a Muslim, he cannot be radical he, can't bully, he cannot be extremist, and he cannot be moderate. There are no shades in Islam. So using the word radical Islam as if there are non-radical Muslim, Islam is wrong. They don't exist. It's a figment of the imagination of the West. And I dare anybody listening to prove anything I say wrong. So far, nobody has been able to do that. <laughs> there are no shades in Islam, ladies and gentlemen. Either you are a Muslim and you obey the Quran, or you are not a Muslim. There are no differences in Islam. No shades.
0: Now, doctor, d- d- Dr. Corsi, what, what, what do you make of, uh, of IQ's assessment there? I know that you've done a lot on this subject of, uh, of Islam, and uh, you've also got this, uh, th- this, this brand-new book out, Goodnight Obama, a parody, which we're going to talk about here in just a few seconds. But uh, follow up there on IQ's point there, Dr. Corsi. Well, he wants
3: to engage in semantics and distinctions off, saying that as soon as somebody becomes a radical, they're no longer a Muslim. I mean, it's, you know, it, it, when the American people and others around the world see the murders committed as were committed in Turkey yesterday and everybody yes. shouting Allah Akbar and all the rest, he can do all, all the semantic distinctions he wants to draw, and I understand his point. But you've got uh, Muslims around the world who are becoming radicalized, and so if you want to say uh, radicalized, former Muslim, that we don't accept as a Muslim anymore because we only let good people be Muslims, go ahead. I mean, I, I think it's, it's irrelevant nonsense.
0: Now, now let's, uh, let, let, let's switch gears here and, and, and talk with uh, Dr. Corsi about his, uh, his latest book, um, Good Night, Obama, uh, a parody. T- tell us a little bit about this, and then I'm going to have uh, Dan Perkins and IQ ask you some questions about this.
3: Oh, sure. I mean, the whole book was written, and it's kind of like Good Night Moon if you remember seeing that book. And it was written uh, to have some fun. It's a parody uh, to have some fun with Obama leaving office and the policies that he, you know, put into place, looked at from a conservative perspective, which, you know, to conservatives look to be uh, policies I think are going to be reversed in many instances with Donald Trump. And it was... Um, satire is an old form of US I was raised by the World War II generation and <clears throat> satire and poking fun of political figures has been a national pastime since I was um, a child and I'm just <laughs> trying to I have a little fun with it as Obama's leaving office.
0: Now uh, now Dan, uh, you're a best selling author. You 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 uh, you you've done a lot uh in, in the area of uh, poking fun at, uh, at, at President Obama. Um, what, what you, and I, I know you've got some questions here for the great Dr. Jerome Corsi.
1: Yes, um, I, I look forward to reading your book. Um, sure, I'm, I'm you. curious as to um, whether or not... Uh, I, I heard a, a quote today by Pat Goodell, the Democratic pollster, and he said um, he's very disappointed in Obama, because he's not leaving the white house with and michelle they're not leaving the white house with any grace any grace that there is a there is a historic protocol about how a president leaves office and yet uh he was embarrassed for the democratic party because obama is not leaving the the white house with grace uh he he, i think he did something like 167 pardons yesterday and Today he signed a piece of legislation that was to uh, fall back on a ni- uh, 1953 bill that would limit drilling in in the Arctic Circle and uh, and war and off the coast of America. He's uh, he's still fighting the battle that he and his party lost, um, and and yet uh, I'd be interested in in the doctor's view as to whether or not. Um, the pundits are right that he is not going to go quietly in the night. He's going to be a figure in Washington uh, for some period of time fighting fighting to preserve his legacy as much as he possibly can. So he's going to be the most proactive president probably post-president in, in the history of the country. What do you think about that, Doctor?
3: Well, I mean, th- those are Pat Goodell's comments. I'm, I'm not going to endorse or discuss uh, agree or agree with Pat Cadell. That's, that, that's his opinion. Um, mm-hmm. As to whether Barack Obama is going to um, retire or you know end politics altogether, uh, I've, I've heard the statements too, and Barack Obama has made it clear that he thinks he can, can continue to be a force in politics after he leaves the White House. Um, I'll be interested to see if that happens. Uh, most presidents, when they leave the White House, are shocked to find out how um, little relevant their comments are and how little uh, attention they get. Um, and, you know, uh, Barack is already a lame duck. Uh, he's already got less influence than he uh, did before uh, the election, especially with the change in parties going on in the White House. And uh, I think his, his influence is going to diminish whether he likes it or not. And the... Democratic Party, I think, will very quickly be reorganizing, and you're going to find new leadership emerging within the Democratic Party That will not necessarily welcome Barack Obama to be a continuing spokesperson So, you know, the status changes on January 20th when President-elect Trump is sworn into office And that's the reality Barack Obama is going to have to face just like all other outgoing presidents have had to face it It won't be Immediately apparent to him until the moment he's out.
1: Well, do you think that uh, that uh, that you talked about the, the party's going to reorganize, given the nature of the 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 the, the thumping that the De- Democratic Party took in ten, twelve, sixteen, fourteen, and their their diminished capacity in terms of influence in the state and local governments. Where does the next leader come from if they have such a small bench?
3: Well, my my guess is the Democratic Party will reorganize even more radically left. And I think there's indications of that. If you're talking about um, Representative Ellison maybe leading the Democratic Party or, you know, if the Democratic Party wants to continue moving farther to the left, I think it's just going to become more and more of a marginally important party in U.S. politics, at least for the foreseeable future. It's already a party that has only influence really on two coasts, with some little exception in the middle of the country. And even in California, except for the strip of counties right along the, the coast from San Francisco to San Diego, the rest of the counties in California are predominantly Republican. Right. Uh, so, you know, the Democratic Party's on the edge of becoming a far-left party that you know, would become a socialist type party in European uh, politics. And we've never had a successful European uh, style socialist party in the United States. I guess maybe Henry Wallace was the last to try it in 1948 with the Progressive Party. Yeah. And he did miserably in the 1948 election. We haven't had another successful uh, socialist or, you know, radically left progressive party. Uh, since Henry
1: Wallace you know the Dr uh, hindsight is always twenty twenty but uh the question i, I really want I want to ask you is that had the Democratic Party nomination not been rigged for Hillary, um, we could have had Bernie Sanders, a socialist running against Donald Trump. yeah, would there have been a different outcome
3: I, I doubt it, although I think Bernie Sanders would have um perhaps inspired a more youthful audience to follow him. So it would have been a, you know, a little bit more enthusiasm for Bernie Sanders. Uh, I don't think in a general election Bernie Sanders would have been a major contender because I think his ideas, once fully expressed to the electorate, would seem again too marginal, too far left, too out of the mainstream. And I doubt Bernie Sanders would have done as well as Hillary Clinton
1: did. Yeah. The other question I would ask you is uh, on one of your comments. You, you seem to, uh, not seem to, you actually said that, that the, uh, the Democratic Party was probably going to tack even further to the left and that it would become a marginal party. Are you saying, in essence, we're going to have a one-party system in America for some period of time?
3: Well, I think there's a, you know, first of all, I'm not sure that Donald Trump is really a Republican. I mean, I think Donald Trump, in many ways, could be analyzed as having run almost independent. Uh, yes, I agree. Donald Trump's gonna find, he's yep. going to find, he's gonna have as much opposition from centrist Republicans. As he's in, in Washington as he's going to have from um, far left Democrats. well
0: and and dr. Corsi you you are completely correct on that because I, I I've read fairly recently that uh, the uh, uh, I, I believe it was Trump has an idea for a uh, a, a bill that's going to go in and fix the infrastructure and the roads and the bridges and the Republicans that are already in there are like, well, we're not going to sign up on that because that's going to raise the debt, and and we're not interested in that. And I'm like, okay, they weren't interested when Obama wanted to do it, and now they're fighting Trump, and it's like it's not a Republican or Democrat issue. So you're already uh, being being founded to be correct on that.
3: I think the Republicans in Washington are going to find that if they don't get more in line with Trump, yeah, uh, I mean, it's, it, there's kind of two choices. Either the Republican Party itself becomes marginalized as being, you know, too centrist, and you know, the Middle America, the, the core base of the Republican Party today, is a you know center right party. Yes, and the leadership in Washington is a center left orientation that would, you know, is, is much closer to where the Democrats were in the John Kennedy era. The Republicans in Washington are much more like the Kennedy Actually, they're actually a little farther left than the Kennedys. Remember, the Kennedys had a massive tax. John Kennedy came with a massive tax decrease, and he um, ran on a missile gap. Uh, John yes. Kennedy would not be a Democrat in today's far-left Democratic Party.
1: Uh, I would I would agree with that. Uh, there was a book out by Larry Kudlow, which was just released this week, where he talks about um, Kennedy's policies adopted by Ronald Reagan um, and uh, as a supply-sider. Um, and as you said, what, K- Kennedy would be recognized in the Democratic Party today. But I, I have written numerous pieces of commentary on one of the pieces that you talked about, that that Trump really is an independent. He is the first independent candidate to win the presidency because not only were the Democrats against him, many of the Republican Party were against him. Yep. But he had the support of the people. And I suspect that he gets a great deal of power. You know, there's a there's a recent article on the number of Democratic senators who are up for uh election in uh two thousand re election in two thousand and uh and twenty.
3: Yes.
1: And uh the question is uh, how many of them will, in fact, uh, be reelected if they fight Trump? Um, that's that's a big question. Number two, um, I've heard as recently as yesterday that five of the Democrats who were up for re-election are in fact uh, not going to re- uh, not going to run. Um, because uh, the, their their policies, their philosophy was so far to the left that they didn't think they'd have much of a chance to uh, to get reelected in a more conservative, more nationalist party environment. So the the uh, the opportunity for uh, the the Republicans to gain even more stronghold in the Senate might also change in 2020. The the shift of leadership power in the Senate to be more aligned with Mr. Trump. What do you think about that concept?
3: Well, you know, I think we're, we're going through a major realignment politically that goes on every few years, every 20 or so years in American politics, maybe longer cycles. It's also going on in Europe. There's a major realignment of voters going on. And I think what's happening is at the moment is that the electorates in Europe and the United States, the voters, are moving more center-right. And the elite, you know, the leadership in both parties is more either far-left, as the Democratic Party is, or center-left, as uh, many of the politicians in Europe are, and certainly the Republican leadership is. Now, you know, you're going to find Democrats who are going to vote for and with trump in congress because they're going to realize they have to in order to save their seats and you're going to have mm-hmm. republicans who will oppose trump because yep. ideologically they're more close to the uh, to the democrats in terms of the way they view big government so but the as i see it uh, i think the major issues in the next few years are going to be i don't think the euro is necessarily secure to survive i don't think the eu is Assured to survive, I don't think globalism and open borders and these free trade agreements. I think these have all suffered a major setback, and they will not be re- easily uh, reestablished when the electorate is moving center right.
1: I, I I absolutely agree with you. I, I, again, I've I've written similar similar thoughts. I would I would ask you a, another question. Um, this this reaction of what took place. In, in Britain and in the United States and maybe in Germany, maybe in Italy. Uh, I, I think it is the, uh, it is the end of um, political correctness or a tremendous decline in the effect of political correctness and the elite uh, situation. I mean, we had, a, we had a perfect situation in our country. Uh, you may have seen this video prepared by Martin Sheen and a bunch of out-of-work actors, who are trying to convince the electors to not to vote for, for Donald Trump. And they, they talked about uh, how the Constitution says that there's a fitness requirement, and, and they were all wrong. The, the Constitution doesn't have anything that they were saying. But the reaction was that here is the elites trying to tell us what we need to do again. We're not smart enough to figure this out. We have to follow their lead. And I think that that was the start of of what happened in England, is that when you listen, I listened to the returns, and I said on Jim's show, I closed my eyes and just listened to the words that were being used to report what was going on in the vote in England, and what you were hearing was some of the same words that you heard in the United States in the Republican primaries. The British people were, were sick and tired of... Uh, bureaucrats in Brussels telling them how they were going to live their lives, what laws that they had to change to comply with the EU, and they just basically got had enough of the elites and the bureaucrats trying to run their lives. And I think that spilled over to the United States. It spilled over to Italy. It most likely will spill out all over Europe, including Germany. And the... the the reformation that you're talking about, I believe, is going to be in a right-centrist mode, and political correctness is going to disappear.
3: You know, I, I also agree. I mean, look, you know, the the left, the far left, the, you know, this kind of Solvitsky, Bill Ayers left, and just take an issue, I mean, the whole LGBT issue. Um, yeah. I don't think most Americans have any intention to discriminate against Uh, anyone certainly not lgbt as long as lgbt don't require that i become gay i don't care what they do (laughs) yes you know and so secondly when it gets down to the discussion is that we're talking about transvestites in the military or sex changes in the military or you know unisex bathrooms for elementary school children i think most people think the the left has gone off its wheels It's, it's gone off the edge of the cliff and it's in its political correctness and its ideological uh, purity the left has taken positions which to the average person appears like they're you know walking around the field bumping their heads into trees.
1: Well I, I understand that I, I, and I agree with you. I, I do think that that um, for the last eight years, we have been dealing with the, the government and the leadership of the, the, the government, the president and, and many people in Congress have been dealing and making decisions based on the minority. And it was interesting to watch on election night how they created this new racial slur in the news media called white non-college educated people. Like all of a sudden, if you weren't college educated and you were white, you were not worth anything. And I think that what, what's going on is that this whole political correctness issue and then these things. You know, when we started to talk about the discussion about the bathrooms, I'm sure there were a lot of people in the United States who, who used these words. Well, that's just silly. But what they don't understand is that the, it was not silly to the left who is in favor of gay rights transgender and everything else. It wasn't silly to them. It was important to them. And what happened over the last eight years, yeah, more and more of these things that we thought were silly, which became law, all of a sudden reached a breaking point, and the American people said, enough.
3: Well, see, I mean, it's, in the ideological purity the left has gone through to the nth degree, there's any number of policy issues on which the left is now so far out, you know, in left field they appear insane to the average person. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, For instance, um, you've got climate change. Well, first it was global warming, and, of course, now the, there's, there's excellent evidence that the sun is in a minimum and that the Earth is, in fact, quite cooler than it was. Um, then we get rigged data, and uh, the data is, you know, clearly being skewed by scientists ideologically, uh, which doesn't sit well with the average person who thinks that science ought to be objective and true and not rigged ideologically. And mm-hmm. um, it ends up in a U.N. tax on carbon fuels, which looks like a, the whole purpose of this deal was a redistributive tax because uh, there's a bias against carbon fuels. Well, you know, you can build you could burn carbon fuels cleanly and you can burn carbon fuels stupidly, but the idea that we want to eliminate all carbon fuels to the average person again does not seem to be a reasonable idea when to replace the energy needs that we have in modern society with wind and solar, which are not sufficiently robust to do the job, is not economically feasible just in terms of the efficiency of those technologies of the land it would take. To devote to wind turbines or solar power. And the, and the plants that have been tried have failed and have ended up being boondoggles, cylindra, I can name all kinds of, you know, solar policies and projects that end up in nothing but corruption. So the average person takes a look at these leftist ideas and says, you know, they're not for us. Uh, they're so... Ridiculous to the nth degree, thought out and carried out. That you've got ideological purity producing the elite. You know, banging their heads against walls because somehow or other they think that's the thing you ought to do. The average person isn't going to bang their head on a wall.
1: That's true. Well you know, said, it, yes. the, the, the energy issue is is important because what I've been begin to write about it in on how trump is going to make america great again um if you look at it from the standpoint of of 95 million people out of work one out of every five households has nobody employed 48 million people on food stamps when you look at that problem and you say what is it that is there a singular thing that we can do that can can put millions of people to work and i believe that one of those singular things that we can do is developing America's energy resources to become the energy supplier to the world, to to compete against OPEC. And I think we can develop, we're going to have to build uh, new and better refineries and new and better chemical plants. We're going to have to build uh, clean coal processing facilities. We're going to have to do a lot of things that will give us the ability to compete on a global basis that will put millions of people to work, generate significant amounts of tax revenue, and, uh, and, and make America one of the strongest economies in the world.
3: Well, we'll see, I mean, the left has a tendency to do this. I mean, you know, if you go back to 1980 when you see Jimmy Carter in the Oval Office wearing a cardigan sweater and telling everybody to turn their thermostats down, <laughs> uh, what's wrong with this guy? You know, this, this guy? This guy lost his mind. You know, and that and they begin to you know, walk you know, Barack Obama's right he's got ten trillion dollars in national debt and he's worried about putting rainbow colors on the White House. Maybe he could spend a little bit more time on the national debt and a little bit less time on the unisex bathrooms. I mean, you know, this is a this is the average person saying, you know, yeah, we're not we're not getting anywhere with ninety two million people out of work and
2: Yes. One out of every
3: family. Yeah, we're not getting anywhere here. This, this is the left policies, uh, and constantly the left does this. It's the the problem I've had all my life with the left. You know, Karl Marx makes a nice a nice fairy tale if you want to read it. It's a great utopian story. It's never worked on the face of the earth. Go to Venezuela.
0: Yep. Yeah. Yeah. See
3: how it is over there. I mean. And the left doesn't learn anything from this. Oh, very much so. The left ends up driving wacky cars that are, you know, fueled by, um, you know, they, they end up regulating cow farts because they think it's going to save the planet. I mean, you know, that's what they're doing in California. And the average person is saying, right. Wait a minute. you know, if that's where the left is going, I hope all these people pack themselves up, in some kind of vehicle and sail deep out in the Pacific because
1: we don't need it anymore. Yes. Right. Do you remember? I, I was thinking about your your Jimmy Carter statement. Do you remember that that Christmas when he said we're not going to light the Christmas tree and you shouldn't light yours either? <laughs> yeah, <I remember> that. <laughs> and then he then he gave Do, do you remember that? I, I remember that. I, I was old enough. To, I was a, an adult while that was happening.
3: Speak, and America's lake, and America's
1: best lake. years are, are behind it.
3: The malaise speech. The malaise speech. I love that one. And then, of course, he gets out of the canoe. He gets out of the canoe and he gets attacked by a, you know, a rabid beaver. He doesn't know what to do with it. He hits it with a paddle. But the guy was was whacked. The guy was a peanut farmer. He didn't belong in major politics. He's not a major thinker. And the problem is, go to California and look at some of the laws they've got where you can't arrest people even if they break into your home. Yep. You know, where you... You know, where you've got a situation where legal immigrants are getting driver's license and voting, uh, where you've got taxes that are through the roof, where you've got regulations on energy that make no sense whatsoever. And, and the yes. state is getting to be unlivable. You know, and, 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 you know, the rest of America is going to say, look, we don't want to support California anymore. And we don't want to follow California's ideas anymore. You know, you know, that it's, and, and that's the problem with the far left right now, and it's the problem the far left is experiencing worldwide. And uh, it has not yet woken up to the fact that uh, the fundamental base of America and, and the world are not going to go happily off into godless socialist globalism singing Kumbaya. <laughs>
0: We've got Dan Perkins with us today. We also have best-selling author Dr. Jerome Corsi. He has a uh, tremendous, tremendous uh, new book out called Goodnight Obama. It's a, a parody of uh, uh, basically you get a chance to say goodnight to Obama in a very special way. Um, former President Obama in his nightcap and his PJs, he says goodnight to America. And um, Dr. Corsi, there, there's, uh, what, what do you think of the effect that Obama, how do you think the history books is going to look at the president? Several, you know, several years down the line, as as they write the history books, what 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 do you think about it?
3: I think at the best he'll get would be a curious mistake. I think he might be graded only only slightly below Jimmy Carter. Of course, you know the birth certificate. Now we. Sheriff Arpaio did validate yes. that it was a fraud. I found the birth certificate from which it was co- copied. Um, I think we'll find out more about Obama that we don't know. Maybe get his passports, maybe find out where, you know, what his student applications to colleges were. I mean, we don't know very much about this guy. And the policies that he implemented, I can't think of a single policy area he could have done worse in. I guess possible but you know we've just discussed the economy we've got the middle east in complete disarray uh he's uh, sending over airplane cargo uh planes full of cash to iran why we're doing that i'm not sure they're building yes. a nuclear weapon i mean you know we're the every policy area obama but you know the only ones he's done well in are the um his wife putting food in the
0: and the public schools that the kids won't eat <laughs> Well, there is that. Dan, do you, do you I, I think if go ahead, jump in there. Can I answer your yes, I was gonna answer your there. question. Jump in there. I, I I believe that historians
1: may not be as politically correct as the reporters for the Wall Street Journal, the New York Times and the Washington Post. I suspect that that Barack Obama will be remembered as the first black president in the United States. And um, I suspect that his legacy product, the, the Obamacare, may be the, the shortest-lived social work welfare program ever passed in the United States because I think it could be gone within a year. And um, uh, I, 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 I agree with our guest. I agree with the doctor. There's What is there to point to America needs to lead from behind uh, we brought our soldiers home, and millions of people died, but they weren't Americans. Yes. There was a, there was a, a, a Democratic congressman last night on with Bill O'Reilly, and he said, yes, um, there were people who died in Syria and Iraq and Palestine and all these other countries, but the number of Americans who died diminished dramatically under Obama. But that didn't necessarily mean that it made it safe. I mean, I um, I I don't think he made the I don't think he made America and or the world any safer than what it was when he took over, in fact, probably made it more treacherous. I'd be interested to hear what IQ has to say to yes, that. Yes, I,
0: I IQ, uh, IQ L. still with us. Uh, what 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 do you think uh, we, we got Dr. Corsi's thoughts and Dan Perkins's thoughts. what 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 do you think of uh, the legacy of Barack Obama as President of the United States?
2: Uh, a belief contempt legacy. Okay? No, really. I mean, what is there? I have tried my best over a period of eight years to find a single successful item in his life. I couldn't, honestly. And I wish somebody could tell me. Iq, you, you're wrong, X, Y, Z, he did. I couldn't. Even the books he wrote, or he said he wrote, they were all wrong. They were all lies. They glorified him and his family or his fathers. But there was nothing decent about it. And his trip to the Middle East and the world and begging forgiveness. Good God, I would never forgive him for that. And I'm not an American. No, his legacy is beneath contempt.
0: Doc, Dr. Corsi, uh, did, did, what 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 do you think of IQ's thoughts there on the uh, legacy of uh, the president?
3: Well, I think he's probably right. <laughs> 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 I mean, I about the only thing I could think Hillary ever did was, you know, buy expensive pantsuits to run for president. Got nice designer pantsuits. That's <laughs> about the only thing she, That's about... Uh, yeah. T- yeah. Ask any audience, or you know, what her accomplishments were. What were her accomplishments? Benghazi, yeah, you know, we got, you know, the ambassador killed, three other brave Americans. We destabilized Libya, yeah. Egypt. Well, yeah, they they've supported the Muslim Brotherhood. They got thrown out when LCC came in. Uh, Clinton Foundation. Oh uh, yeah, she made a hundred million dollars by ripping off a charity, creating a crime of enormity and. Telling all kinds of favors at the State Department. Email scandal. Ah, let's see. Yeah, that's right. She violated the law as far as I can tell. There's no difference between extremely careless and all the other definitions written into our national security laws. I mean, they go down the policy list. And Hillary Clinton's, what major legislation did she write in the Senate? I can't think of a single major bill she created or sponsored. You know, what did she do is... um, uh, as first lady, well, she failed with uh, Hillary Care before Obama instituted this monstrosity, Obamacare. I mean, these people are complete failures. I don't even know why anybody took them seriously.
0: Well, uh, Doctor Corson. So I, I have. No, go ahead, Jim. I, I would
1: ask uh, a question of both a doctor and IQ.
0: Yes, go. What was,
1: what was, what was the greatest disappointment? that Obama did or didn't do in his eight-year term? Dr. Corsi. What was that? What
3: was the greatest appointment of Barack Obama? What, what,
1: what do you what do you think is, we, we were talking about achievements and there weren't any, what was his greatest failure? Getting
3: reelected. What do you think
1: is? <laughs> <laughs> Get, getting reelected. <laughs>
2: okay. Okay. IQ, what do you think? that he had the best chance ever in history of America to show himself as a black American. And he failed miserably. He became a racist. He divided America, left, right, and center, up and down, in every shape, in every manner. I cannot think of him but a despicable person, and I'm not an American. Yeah. uh, uh, from my, stand-
1: hold, my hold,
0: standpoint- hold, hold, hold on, Dan. Dr. Corsi, you had a follow-up there.
3: I, I, I said, I, when I wrote the abomination, I said that Barack Obama was a divider, that we would end up, go look what I predicted. I said Barack yes. Obama would have America more racially divided, we'd be weaker economically, we'd have a less strong military position in the world, and uh, we would be less respected as a nation internationally, that he would be a worse president than Jimmy Carter. I predicted that when I wrote The Obama Nation in 2008, before he was elected.
0: It's, it's absolutely, absolutely amazing. Dan, what, what, what were you saying there? I I, hated to I, I was going
1: to say that my, my greatest disappointment of Barack Obama uh, is pretty straightforward. How does the president of the United States, who is from Chicago, do nothing about the slaughter of black people in the inner city in Chicago for eight years in a row? Because he
2: doesn't give it them.
3: That's that's
2: correct. (laughs) 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 Thank you, Dr. Corsi. That's the best answer (laughs) I've heard so far.
0: (laughs) That's a
1: pretty pretty straight answer there. Yes, uh, I, I, I just, I, I it is amazing to me. Uh, I would I would ask uh, uh, the the good doctor something that I've been thinking a lot about and and contemplating writing about. Uh, I think that the biggest challenge for Mr. Trump as president is not going to be uh, the wall. It's not going to be immigration. It's not going to get the money for uh, infrastructure. I I think the biggest challenge for Donald Trump is dealing with the 375 sanctuary cities in the United States.
3: Well, it's, uh, I don't think that's going to be as much a problem as maybe you do, because there's a very good way to deal with uh, sanctuary cities: you just cut off their money.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That that.
1: And but I'd be do, happy you to believe, do you believe? i you do, uh, do you believe that the? the liberals, the Uber liberals who are running these cities will capitulate on that or or will I, it just take a revolt can. of the people I, in the cities who are not getting I, I, the essential services to throw them out?
0: Go ahead, Dr. I couldn't Course. care
3: I I couldn't care less. <laughs> you know, cut off their money and don't <laughs> cut off their money forget about this. They don't Dan, obey
2: the law uh, yes, yes. cut the money and forget Trump, about we it We can forgetting. go to the public as usual. He will go directly to the people and tell them you are being ripped off. We're not going to support these people, but it's up to you guys to remove them. And they will right, remove them. Yeah, this is, the a, cali- this is a different republic now. Under Donald Trump, it will be a different republic. You said he is independent, and he is independent than right. your what,
0: well, nice. Doctor doc, Corsi, uh, to to follow up on both their points there, uh, you 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 were mentioning uh, that the we were talking about it also with uh, with California. How how would he address California? Because th- these are the folks that have said he's not my president and and, and all this stuff.
3: he well, did the same thing in California. Cut off their federal money, quit their federal money, just quit paying them. Let them do fine. Okay, you guys wanna. Have sanctuary cities and do these things with your schools and all the rest. Well, fine. Pay for it yourself. We're not paying for it anymore.
1: But, 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 doctor, let me respectfully, uh, slightly disagree with you. Remember that this, the federal government gets the revenue from the states. What if the state of California says there are no tax payments? We're not. You're not making any tax payments. If you're in a city, it's state. Of, California, you're not paying any federal taxes, you're not paying any kind of federal tax. We're going to hold it in, in California to pay our own bills. What do they do then?
3: Well, I, I, I'm sure there's laws that would be applicable and you could get those um, public officials brought to justice on that. There's, um, but given uh, that they pay, given the, the that the requirements
1: yeah. of re- Barack Obama uh, yeah. stacking the courts. Yeah. Are they going to, is the left going to find courts that will support them, allowing them to protest by keeping their money?
3: Uh, I don't think, uh, there's nothing going to be in the law. There's nothing in the law that gives you that right. Uh, the obligation to pay federal income tax and other taxes is not contingent upon getting money back. And I think even uh, even of my ear, might have problems finding a legal justification. For refusal to paying federal income tax, and hey, if if, if they can find a justification not to pay federal income tax, hooray, we can get it rid of the income tax. I'll be all for that.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. So you, what do you, what do you think, what do you think Trump's biggest challenge will be, doctor?
3: Oh, he'll have lots of challenges. I think you know the uh, Republicans are going to be a challenge he's going to constantly have to go to the American people above both parties. And uh, he's going to have to ignore a lot of the nonsense that comes out of the far left. Um, and, you know, I think you're going to see in the next ten years, of um, uh, New York Times, Washington Post, um, what we consider today the mainstream media, uh, go on the way um, of... of you know, it's going to largely disappear. Uh, People aren't going to read newspapers anymore in the future, not nearly to the extent that they've read them in the past. And uh, you're going to find the New York Times, which is going to be renting out, I think, eight floors of its building now for income. Might as well just rent out the whole building. The Washington Post sold its building. Um, They're all struggling because nobody reads them. Nobody reads them because the writers are irrelevant. You know, the writers aren't—you know—the writers are partisan. They're not doing their job. They're not—they're yeah. not reporting news. Uh, people can get better news on the internet. Uh, they can find out things more quickly on Twitter than they can, you know, waiting for the New York Times to report what Sheriff Arpaio says about Obama's
1: personality being fake. Uh, Jim, I'll, I will have another yes, a similar subject question. Yes. Um, doctor, there's been a lot of discussion by the Democratic Party over the last month or two about the issue of fake news. And you're talking about the demise of the New York Times, the Washington Post, perhaps maybe even some of the networks, but mostly the newspaper. Um, when you get into the internet and you get into uh, news blogs, uh, do you think there's a danger that there that, that there's going to be less truth in the in the alternative sources of news?
3: Well, the vast majority of the fake news comes from the mainstream media. This entire story right. about Russia, you know, Russia intervening, and that's all nonsense. There's no proof Russia intervened. Donald Trump is right. I'm kid, it, it could easily have been somebody in Podesta's office that that turned those emails over. Um, it's not necessarily proven that Russia did it at all. And for the New York Times, I the mean, I, Post, all the mainstream media to get on this story just shows why people don't read right. them anymore. Like your kid coming I mean, home I, I, the I, dog, the dog ate I the could, homework. The dog didn't eat the doctor, homework. The I kid could. didn't do the
0: homework. <laughs> I like that. I'm sorry. Go, go, go ahead. Uh, I, I,
1: doctor, I'm, I, I, I could be having a senior moment here, but I believe that the WikiLeaks people, uh, the head of WikiLeaks basically told the world, they didn't get this information from Russia. They got it from somebody inside the democratic national committee. And I believe it was probably somebody there reacting to the way that Bernie Sanders was treated by the democratic national committee. And, uh, and uh, wanted payback, and and I, I just think that that uh, the idea that the Ru- the Russians, if you understand anything about the technology of the elections, even the president of the United States said it's so locally based it would be impossible to try and hack into the into the election process. Yet now he's believing that it it possibly did happen, and you know is he drinking the same Kool Aid, the wrong Kool Aid?
3: the Democrats do not want to accept responsibility for Hillary being a bad candidate and losing. And this whole invention of the story about Russia hacking and giving over these emails to uh, Julian Assange has no basis in it at all. We've politicized now the CIA in addition to the IRS, in addition to the Justice Department. I think the American people are tired of it. American people are sick of the treatment that, you know, an average Americans are getting because the left ideologues on, you know, in California think that they're smarter than everybody else. And their policies are intolerant. They won't tolerate. They don't believe in the First Amendment. They don't believe in God. They don't believe in the Second Amendment. They don't believe in the Fourth Amendment, that your house is yours. They don't believe in any of this. They believe in their own wisdom and they're wacky ideas um, they are, you know, predicated on a theory of social justice that was invented by um, John Rawls and his goofy friends at Harvard.
1: So let me ask you another question. Given, given that when George W. took over from Bill Clinton, he left many of the Clinton-appointed bureaucrats, bureaucrats in place, he did not remove them. And then when Obama came in, he added more bureaucrats. How big is the bureaucratic problem going to be a challenge to Trump in order to drain the swamp?
3: Well, my, my answer to that is my favorite appointment so far has been Rick Perry to head energy. I love the idea of appointing a guy to head a department. When he ran in 2012 saying he was going to eliminate the department... And then he forgot which one it was when he was asked during the debate. <laughs> I like it. Your boss wants to eliminate your department. Can't he remember who you are?
1: <laughs> I agree with that. I, I, I do remember that. And I, and I I think that there was a an agreement between Trump and Perry that Trump wants him to go in and eliminate the Department of Energy. He wants him to tear it down. And Perry Trump said, I'm, I'll department- do that for you.
3: And, you know, they put out a questionnaire, want to know ideologically where everybody is in the department. I refused to answer the questionnaire. Insubordination. Right. I'd I'd say, look, you guys want to be in the EPA? Fine. We're really located in the EPA. Tomorrow you report to Nome, Alaska. EPA is going to run out (laughs) of Nome, Alaska. You still have all your jobs. we hope you like it up there. A little cold. Maybe you can regulate the environment.
0: That's awesome. <laughs> That's fantastic. I I, I, agree. I love I that. Agree. I love that, Doctor Corsi. Uh, we've got IQ Al with us today. We've also got Doctor Jerome Corsi as our special guest. Also Dan Perkins. Uh, we want to send out our um, heart- heartfelt well wishes to uh, Mr. Don Mazzella He is our he is our third wheel here on our broadcast. He had some uh, surgery recently, and uh, he's he's recovering. So uh, this week, Dan and IQ have been nice enough to step in and fill uh, Don's spot. Um, Dr. Corsi, as we go, um, one, one final question I have to ask to you, and then I'm going to have everybody else ask one final question, but my final question, Dr. Jerome Corsi, is what what do you think's on the horizon between now and the inauguration of President-elect Trump?
3: Well, I think Trump is going to you know continue to work to put his team together, and I think he'll continue to comment on events. Um... The thing we've got to see is how we're going to get through this holiday season without more, um, uh, you know, violence in Europe, because the, um, you know, this is the season of infidels that the radical Islamic terrorists don't like, and, if we, you know, if we have more trucks being driven through Christmas markets and things of that nature going on, uh, that's going to be number one, I think, on the agenda. Uh, otherwise, I suspect that unless there's some unforetold or unexpected events like that, that Obama, you know, that Obama's going to pack up and get out, and um, uh, Trump is getting ready to, to pack up and get in, and he'll be bringing a new team with him. Uh, there's a lot of work to do yet in putting that team together, and I think Trump's going to be very busy in the next 30 days making his final appointments and heading his initial strategy. But I expect there will be change, and um, it's going to be very interesting.
0: Dan Perkins uh, what, what what's what what's your final uh, comment or reaction or question for our guest and then we'll let IQ finish things up and then we'll get everybody's plugs in and get out of here for today go ahead Dan
1: I one subject we did not touch on today which I think might have some significance um, dr what do you think the significance is of the assassination of the Russian ambassador by the uh, by the terrorists
3: well, I think clearly there's concern uh, among the radical Islamic forces that Russia and Turkey are getting too close together. And uh, the, this is going to be a concern. Russia and Turkey uh, get ideologically close. Uh, I think it means that there will be a crackdown on radical Islam throughout the Middle East. And uh, what we're seeing in Aleppo will just be the beginning of what Russia will want to do. Uh, I expect we're going to see continued upsets and, and disruption coming out of um, Turkey. And I expect that the you know, Obama administration didn't help. I think Trump is going to take a more active role with Turkey. And I expect to see Turkey, the United States, and Russia have efforts to work together in the Middle East. Uh, and I think it could be historic, and I think it could actually uh, produce some positive results.
1: Thank you for your insight.
0: Yes. I, IQ, do you have any uh, final comments or questions for, uh, for no, the great doctor? No
2: questions. I just want to say that, God willing, 2017 will see the most incredible upheaval in Europe, and upheaval similar to the upheaval in America under Trump. I
3: would agree with that. I think that's coming. I think Merkel's time is uh, limited. Uh, I think that the... Um, Voters in Europe, uh, just as with the Brexit in Great Britain, are going to be seriously re-examining staying in the European Union. And uh, it's going to be that this is the next big, I think, breakup of the liberal, you know, utopian kumbaya dream of one world government and, you know, united nations, here we come. <laughs> uh, I think people, are, I, I think we're going to see massive change in Europe in 2017, and I agree with IQ. you
0: now uh, as yeah, Jim, uh, yes Jim, go Jim, ahead. real quick
1: one, one of the things for, for the that fits nicely with what the two, two gentlemen said what if you want an indicator watch the relationship in the foreign currency markets from the dollar to the euro today it was 10387 if it breaks a dollar meaning parity it says that the currency traders, are questioning the viability and the survival of the not only the euro as a currency, but as the European Union. That's something they can your your listeners can watch very simply.
0: Very much so. Well, uh, as we go here, Dan, uh, wrap up here and uh, give us give us uh, uh, updates on on everything. Where we can find you, everything with the with the nonprofit and everything.
1: Um, the books, my my books, and the newest. Peter the Little Irish Seal, are available at Amazon and Barnes & Noble. There's a special offer on danperkins.guru where they can get the the hard copy book, a plush stuffed uh, seal, which is really terrific. And 10% of the purchase price goes to Songs and Stories for Soldiers. 53 facilities, over 10,000 players distributed. And um, Merry Christmas, Jim.
0: Definitely, and uh, IQ, uh, you are Googleable, my friend.
2: Just Google Al Rasuli, A L R A W S W O L I. And Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year to you and to your guests.
0: Definitely, and
2: Doctor Doctor of course. Thank you.
0: And Doctor Corsey, where do we pick up your books and correspond with you, my friend? Well, the
3: the new book Good Night. Obama, just take a look at uh, Amazon.com and BarnesNoble.com. Good night, Obama. It's like,